Amen. And amen. I want you to take your Bibles, if you've got them. I want you to turn with me to Psalm, middle of your Bibles, the book of Psalm number 23. Probably the second most popular passage in the Bible. You've heard it. If you've ever been to a funeral, you heard Psalm 23. <clears throat> We're talking about the best life today. <clears throat> you're here for one or two reasons. Well, one of three reasons. I started to tell you you're here for one of two reasons today. You're either looking for eternal life or you're looking for a better life. The third one is your old lady drug you. <clears throat> well, surprise, maybe Jesus was in her dragging you here. Oh, your mama drug you. If you come to church, you're either looking for eternal life or you're looking for a better life. Everybody's looking for a better. Everybody I meet is looking for something better in life. They, they want a good life. They want things to be better. That's why we go to school. That's why we dream. That's why we, I think people just want a better life. Let me tell you why you want a better life. Your creator put that in your heart. He, we're not like horses. We can't just eat, stand, eat. There's something in people that want something more. Your creator put that in there. Why'd he put it in there? So you could be disappointed all your life? <clears throat> Why'd he put it in there? So he could do it for you. He gave you the desires of your heart so he could meet them. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. We're going to look at that. Now, folks have asked me, does that mean he will put desires in your heart, things you want? Or does that mean he'll give you the desires? Answers, yeah. <laughs> Philippians 2.13 says it's both. He causes us to want more and then he gives more. We're talking about the best life today, having a better life. Before we read the Psalm, let me quote to you the, I believe it's the fulcrum verse of the Bible. In other words, just the one verse that explains all of life. It's John 10, 10, and it goes like this. There's a thief and he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Dear there's a thief in the land. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your health. He certainly wants to steal your happiness. He wants to destroy your dreams. He's, he's active in the land today and he's doing a bang up job. The rest of that verse says, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The word life means eternal life. Jesus died on a cross and suffered so that you never have to fear death. And when this body falls over, you got another one waiting in a new earth that's better than this one. Bottom line. That's why he came, but he came for more than that. He said, I've come that they might have life, eternal life, and have it more abundantly. Amen. Now, I don't know what you think the term abundant life means, but it can't, it can't mean suck. It don't mean disappointed. It don't mean bad. Abundant, great, wonderful, zipped up. I don't care what you call it. Jesus made it very plain in the core verse of the Bible. I want people to have a better life, an abundant life. He yeah. said, so, Brother Vine, I'm saved. Then you've got eternal life. But listen to me carefully. Here's what we're going to talk about this morning. You don't have a great life by making Jesus your Savior. You have an eternal life by making Jesus your Savior. You can have eternal life and your life can suck on this planet. Eternal life comes by trusting Jesus as your Savior. The great life comes by doing something else. And this Psalm 23 is a very sentimental psalm. You know, we read it in poems, you know, with old ladies on the wall and all that stuff. But the great secret to life is hidden in this psalm. It's in the first verse. Let's read it. The Lord is my Savior. Does it say the Lord is my Savior? What does it say the Lord is? Shepherd. Is there a difference between a Savior and a shepherd? 
Yeah, a savior dies on a cross so you can have eternal life. That's not a shepherd. Tell me what a shepherd does. All right, let me quote in John 10, Jesus is talking about, he said, I'm the good shepherd, painting a picture of his relationship in our lives. And he said this in verse 27 or 29, it's in the neighborhood drive around. He said this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, saviors die for people. Shepherds do what? Lead people. Shepherds lead people. You can be saved and not be led. You can have eternal life and not have a great life. The secret's in the first verse. Let's read it. The Lord is my, what? Shepherd. What's the next part say? I shall not want. Hey, look here. Connect the dots. Demons, you, you say, well, I want, I lack. Literally, the Hebrew word is lack. I, my marriage is disappointing. My life is disappointing. My job's aggravating. Then you lack. You, you cannot say, I don't lack things. I've got everything I want. I shall not want. Put the two together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Dear ones, till the Lord becomes your shepherd, he may be your savior, but till he becomes your shepherd, you can still lack. You can still want. This is the great secret of this psalm is you don't have a great life by getting saved. You have a great life by saying to Jesus, you call all the shots. Where he leads me, I will follow. We used to sing an old song in the Baptist church years ago. It went like this. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. They changed it several years back. Some to Jesus, I surrender. I understand they've recently updated it. Least as I can to Jesus, I surrender. <laughs> Dear ones, the man that saved you wants to run your life. He wants to lead you as a shepherd and let's connect some of the dots in this. We're not going to read the whole psalm. Let's just connect a few. The Lord is my shepherd. I got everything I want. I shall not lack. Look with me in verse three, I believe it is. The Bible says this. <clears throat> he restores my soul. What's the next three words? He leads me. Now look, we're not going to play religious games today. No preachy stuff today. We're going to talk truth today. Does he lead your life? Every single detail. Do you let him make the decisions in everything? He leads me. Now, let me show you one of my favorite verses in all the Bibles, verse six, and it says this. Surely, what's the word surely mean? I hope, maybe, I don't know. What's the word surely mean? I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, goodness and mercy are gonna be on my life every day of my life. Wouldn't that be great to believe that? They know hope things work out here. I know, all right, the word mercy there is the Hebrew word loving kindness. You will never stop him from loving you. And I don't mean technical love. I mean, his heart will always look at you with tenderness. As a father has a tender heart toward his children. So the Lord does toward those who honor him. He will always be looking at you in love. And it's good to have his loving kindness on me. What else do I need on me? What's the other one? Goodness. Tell me what goodness means. God's going to make good things happen to me because he loves me. He's going to do good things for me. How would you like to say good things are going to happen to me every day of my life? Surely. Guess what it all goes back to? What's the first line in verse one? The Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord becomes your shepherd, you can wake up every day saying, God's going to do good things for me today. Not your savior, shepherd. 
God, when, when your savior becomes your shepherd, then your eternal life also becomes a wonderful, abundant life. And this, this is when he becomes Lord. All right. This is the simple truth that we find here. Number one, he has special personal plans, specific plans for every human being that he ever created. He didn't create you and say, do the best you can. I'll be back someday. He knows you so well. Let, he, let me tell you how he wants you to know he knows you. The Bible said this, not a sparrow falls to the ground that I don't see it. He said this, the very hairs of your head are numbered. That, listen, a lot of people mistake that. That doesn't mean he knows how many hairs are on your head. All right, the average young person has how many hairs on their head? So I know about 20,000. I didn't, I'd look it up. Average young person has about 20,000 hairs on their head. I got about 800. So I have about 20,000. Why did he put that in the Bible? It, it doesn't mean that he knows the exact number. You pull any hair out of your head, hold it up, he can tell you 11,342. Why did he put that in there? He wants you to know how intimate he is with you. He sees every detail of your life just as you do your children. Now I've asked him, how do you handle 8 billion of us? I had a tough time keeping up with three. How do you handle 8 billion? And he said to me, that's way bigger than your little head can handle, little man. Just trust me. He says that to me a lot, but trust me, he can do it. All right, he has specific personal plans for every person. He doesn't just say, I want y'all to behave. He's got your life detailed out. I want you to see that. Turn a few pages to the right. Psalm 33. This is the great revelation passage where we see that he knows me personally. And he's got a file with my name on his desk. Psalm 33. Verse, let's read verse 11. The counsel, the plans of the Lord stand forever. The plans of his what? Heart. Where do God's plans come from? Out of his head? They come out of his heart. Dear ones, when I found out my sweetheart, who's also my wife, was pregnant, with our first children, I didn't, just, I didn't say, well, I hope they make it. I sat around and dreamed the good things I hoped would happen to them. That's a father's heart. What's this right here? The plans of God's heart are forever. Now watch with me or read with me. Verse 13, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all of us from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Verse 15, he fashions their hearts. What? Individually. He considers all their works. He's on you like white on rice. He's got fashioned specific plans for you and your heart. He's got detailed plans for every life. And he wants to lead you in every area of your life. Everything. Who you relate, who you run with, your friends, how you think, how you talk, the car you buy, the attitude you have. He wants to run everything. Now, let me tell you what I've learned in my 40 years of doing this. People will be good. They'll obey the commandments. They'll give money. They'll volunteer once in a while. But what's the last thing humans hold on to? I want to make my own decisions. I want to be my own shepherd. The great tug of war of life is not over whether we're going to cuss or not. It's not over whether we're going to run off somebody's old lady or old man. The great tug of war of life is over who, who makes the decisions. I want to be my own shepherd. I don't want him running everything like that. Number one, he's got special plans. <clears throat> Number two, now listen to me carefully. You will never let him lead your life 
until you're convinced of how good he is. Until you get to know him, you, would, you wouldn't send your children off with a stranger. You're not about to let some hard-nosed, mean deity run your life. You got to get to know him before you'll say, take over. You got to get to know how good he is. Um, listen to me. It's not good or bad. That's over for most of us. It's not good or bad now. The issue's not good or bad. It's my plans, his plans. It's what I want to do, what he wants me to do. That's the real issue. All right, I'm going to throw this out here and you can think about it for a little bit. Let me speak to you from scripture about my plans, his plans. What's wrong with me running my own life? I'm smart. I got a college degree, barely. Why can't I run my own life? There's two reasons you should think about running your own life. I'm just, I'm throwing him under the bus this morning, not me. This is his book. Two reasons you should let him run your life. Number one, uh, a great truth is found, and I'll just quote it to you. Psalm 106, 15 says this. He let them make their own decisions, but they were empty in the end. You ever made a decision, thought it was just the right thing, and down the road you thought, I shouldn't have done that. All right, the other one is Proverbs 14, 12 that says this. There is a way that looks so good to people, but the end result is a stinking mess. Actual words are destruction, but I put stinking mess in there. Okay, would, have you ever had that happen to you? It looks so good. And that's what I wanted. And I went after it. Dang, I got it. That's why we should think about running our own lives. Seriously think about running our own lives. All righty. I'm convinced. This is the craziest thing. We have two great pollsters in this nation, Mr. Barna and Mr. Gallup. And here's what they tell us. Happiness and contentment are at an all-time low in this nation. I got 158 channels on my satellite cable. How can I not be happy? I mean, half of it's selling cheap junk. The other has a bunch of idiots carrying on, but I got them. How could, why is happiness at a low in America? We've never had more money. I thought technology is supposed to make everybody smile. Dear ones, listen to me. Listen to what the scripture teaches so clearly. A great prophet of yesteryear named Mick Jagger wrote one of the greatest prophetic songs. It is the story of this nation. Here it is. I can't get no satisfaction. Mick's 80 years old. I think he's 81 now and he still can't get no satisfaction. Why, is Americans, why are Americans so dissatisfied? He gave them, he let them make their own decisions, but their hearts were empty. All right, let's shift gears. Let me tell you about his plan. So what if I really, and I mean it, no, no religious nonsense. What if I really look at that man and say, you make every decision. You call every shot. What'll happen? What'll happen right here if you do that? Um, let's, let's look at it because I want to give you these. It's just a page or two. Turn to Psalm 37. What if you were really, really to say to him, you call every shot. You tell me who to date. You tell me how to talk. You tell me where to go on vacation. You tell me where to go to school. Run this life, Jesus. What would happen if you really did that core level? Psalm 37, uh, I'm going to read them backwards. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. He'll make it happen. Look at verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord 
He will give you the desires of your heart. Now listen to me. Either it's true or it's not. Either the man's lying or he's telling the truth. What is it in America that people do not have the desires of their heart today? That says he'll give them to you. Here's the truth. You surrender all to Jesus, let him run your life. They'll reach a place where you'll say, now that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I got it. I got it. I couldn't be any happier. I couldn't be any more content. I got everything I need. I got everything I want. Turn, turn the page. All right, let me, let me blow religion. I don't know if y'all have noticed or not. I got this thing about religion. I think it's the greatest lie ever fostered on humanity. I didn't go to church much as a kid. When I did go, let me tell you what I was taught. God's mad. Because that fat guy hollering at me is mad up there behind that box. God's mad. And you better do it because it's right. And if you don't do it, he's, he's going to be mad. And you've got you to follow God and be like us. And I thought, God have mercy. Act like you. Be like you. Be as miserable as you are. Here's what I was taught. And it's a lie. Follow God, you'll be miserable. And the more serious you take him, the more miserable you'll get. I was taught this junk. That's religion. Let me tell you what the truth is. Let him speak for himself in Psalm 40, verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will. What your plans for my life, law means plan. Your plans for my life are the very desire of my heart. Your heart will never find what it's looking for until you find the will of God for your life. I absolutely delight to do your will. All this religious garbage that I don't mind tithing and I don't mind going to church and I don't mind not stealing, but man, I want to run my life. The question is not good or bad. The question is, do you want the best? Do you want a good life? Let me illustrate for you again. I think I've told you this before, but look, dude, guys, I'm fixing to be 64. I have a right to repeat myself. I, I went off to college and I'm trying to learn about this follow Jesus thing. I just got saved, went immediately into college the next year to study preaching or how not to preach as the case may be. And I'm trying to learn this stuff and I knew you should let Jesus make the decisions in your life. The big ones. The big ones. And I knew that getting married is a big decision. You don't make the two big decisions in your life. What you're going to do with Jesus, who you're going to live with, the rest of it, small potatoes. All right. And so I knew a preacher needed a wife because you got to have somebody to play the organ and run the women's meetings. And I, and I was taught, all right, pray and ask God who he wants you to marry. That scared me spiritless. Because I've met some preacher's wives. I did not want them. I don't want some chick wearing cat eye glasses with a bouffant and playing organ all night long. That's, I mean, seriously, it's, I'm, I'm just learning. I'm just new. It scared me to death. Preacher's wife like that. I wanted to pick my own woman. Am I, are we relating this morning to what? Let's get out of the religious mess, get in here where we live. I wanted a good looking woman. Shoot me. I wanted one that rather kissed and played organ. Can I get a witness? I wanted one that smiled on rare occasion. I wanted one that was hip. They don't use that term anymore. Never mind. But I'm in a quadrundrum here, which means you're in a crack. And I thought, if I ask him, he's going to show me who, and then I got to marry him. Because you can't bow up against him. Then I thought to myself, don't ask him. Just go ahead and pick you one and get forgiveness. Because you can get forgiveness quicker than you can permission. 
Now you laugh. I'm thinking this. I'm just a new believer thinking this stuff. You know what my whole problem was the whole time? I had no idea how good he was. I thought he was that grouchy old coot grandpa in the sky that the preacher taught me. You know what I found out? I delight to do your will. Well, you know, being a good, good Christian, good, especially a preacher. Preacher's supposed to be better, better than rest of them. Not in this church, it's supposed to be. I decided to give in and say, thy will be done. Send a till of the hunt and we'll get married. Send me some old battle ax and I'll take her. That's what I'm thinking. I prayed. You're not gonna believe what happened. I got both. I got the, I know I'm married to the woman God wanted me to have. I know I am. And she's good looking and she kisses better. She can't even play the organ. <laughs> she don't do women's meetings. She's beautiful and she's, she's alive. She, she's normal. Life is good. You know what I discovered? God is good. Now I've got to thinking, you might ought to let him choose some more stuff for you. Here's my point. He is good. Well, what, if you surrender all, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. But you listen to me carefully. He does not kick the door down and drag you out screaming. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That other God will grab you and run with you. Jesus always waits for your permission. You have to invite him. He, he, listen, he doesn't jerk. He leads. Got to follow him. His plans are better. You know why you should obey God? Some I say it, we're in church because it's the right thing to do. Oh, turn to Psalm 118. I got to knock the religion off your struts. <laughs> religion says do it because you ought to. You know what I've learned? I get to. I get to. How many of you know we should let the Lord lead our lives? Okay, four of you know that out of 2,000. That's wonderful. I'm doing a great job up here. I thought, it was the, I thought it's the right thing to do to, to trust God. I thought that was the right thing to do. Let me show you what I found in the Bible. Psalm 118, verse eight. See if it says this. It is right to trust in the Lord rather than put confidence in man. You know, you know listen, trust God, let him run the show. Don't trust yourself. Does it say it's right? No, read it. It is better. Yes. Let me tell you, in my old age, I don't let him run everything because it's the right thing to do. I want him to run everything because it's better. It's better than what I could. He wasn't trying to rip me off. He's trying to make it good. And then, of course, the next verse says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in experts. <laughs> Okra. Oprah, people like that, you know, counselors, preachers. There was let God run the show. It's not that it's the right thing to do. Your life will be better. True. It's better to trust in the Lord. This is good stuff. That's much better. All right. <clears throat> Number three, he cares about every detail of your life. He wants to touch your life in every area. Education, your thought life, your relationships, your health, your fishing. He does. He, he's not the God we keep in this aluminum box down here. He is the God of life. He cares about every detail of your life. I want you to memorize and think on and get 1 Peter 5, 8 down in your heart. Cast all your cares. Take every issue of your life. Give it to him. 
because he cares about you. He cares. There's not a thing one of my three children could call me about and say, could you help us with this? And I said, I don't care about that stuff. That ain't happening. I don't care. I don't care what it is. Anything they need, they can call their daddy. And it's not that I'm obligated. State of North Carolina says after they're 18, they're on their own. I love my children. I care about them. All they got to do is call. I'll be there. All they got to do is call. Listen to this. Take every concern of your life to him. He cares about you. Do not let the devil in hell get in your head that God doesn't care about this. He does. This word is true. He cares about you. Every detail of your life. Take it all to him. Now, I'm going to give you a verse. This will be for the rest of your life. Say, well, if he cares about me, why is this junk happening? Okay, we're in trouble. You don't gauge the father's care for you by stuff going on around you. The Bible says you measure his care for you by one thing. It's on that wall back there. By this, we know he loves us. He gave his son on that cross for us. The cross is the permanent settlement of his heart toward you. Junk happens in my life I don't understand. And I wonder, where's he at? But you will never convince me that man doesn't care about me after what he did for me at the cross. That's 1 John 4, 8 and 9, 9 and 10. Our, his attitude toward me is always settled by the cross, not what's going on around me. He cares about every detail of your life. Now listen to me carefully. Don't get freaky here like religious people do sometimes. Ah, religion. Don't stand in front of the closet in the morning and say, oh Lord, dear Holy Spirit, which shirt shall I wear today? And you're late for work because you're waiting on the Holy Spirit to tell you what shirt to wear. I'll tell you what shirt to wear. Wear the one that makes you look thin. Get the thing out, put it on, go to work. Don't, don't get freaky with this kind of stuff. Don't stand in the subway and say, hang on, hang on. Wheat bread? Cheese bread. Wheat bread's the answer. Get the wheat bread. Don't get in that junk. It's a heart issue. It's just an attitude that says, you are Lord. Most of the time he'll say, you pick. You know, turkey, chicken, you pick. But when it comes down to, Lord, there's a bunch of junk going on around me right now. Dear Jesus, do you want me to have a bad attitude about this and whine? He will help you right there. He said, what's that got? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Let him have it. And, and it's just, it's a hard attitude. He cares about every detail. All right. Now, the, here's what we want to talk about today. How, how do I do that? How do I actually give it to him? And how, how, can I, how can I let him be my shepherd? How am I led of Jesus today? Do I read the Bible? Listen to me. Ask me if I love this Bible. I eat the Bible. I spend two hours a day in it. But the Bible is what God said yesterday. The Holy Spirit is talking today. The Bible says in Revelation 3, if any man hears an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Now he speaks through the Bible to me and he makes the Bible come alive for today. The Bible is what he said yesterday. He's talking to you today. And you've got to hear him to be led of him. My sheep, hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. If you can't hear him, you can't follow him. This is not hard, is it? Most important thing you'll do in your life is not to memorize the Bible. It is to learn to hear the voice of your shepherd. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to take you to the good place. Let me talk to you about learning to hear the voice of your shepherd. Let me tell you what all say, well, okay, okay, I'm going to try this. (laughs) Not how it works, dear ones. 
It don't start in your ear. It starts in your heart. It starts in your heart. The way you will hear Jesus lead your life is, number one, you got to make a commitment. You got to commit. Let's look at that. This is the great verse on that. Proverbs chapter three. Keep turning to the right. Next book. Proverbs chapter three. And this is the key passage. Proverbs chapter three. And he's going to make a deal with you right here. Is anybody old enough to remember, let's make a deal. Okay, that's all that's generic. That's the ones that remember Mick Jagger. Let's make a deal. Monty, Monty walked around and made deals with people. He's going to make a deal with you right here. I love that. You need to memorize these two verses. Verse five, Proverbs three, five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Can you do that? I mean, can you trust him with every decision? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. All right, here's the verse, verse six. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Everything, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. All right, what's the deal in verse six? When you let me make the decision, I'll tell you what to do. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I've just got to where I'm, I've made a habit of this. Just ask him. If I've got a big decision to make, I just tell him I've looked at it, but the decision's yours. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. And little decisions. Anybody ever been tempted? I got a Bible. There's nothing wrong with being tempted at all. Matter of fact, being tempted is what gives you strength if you handle it well. If you miss it, you go back to, you don't collect $200, you go back to. Let me tell you what I've learned to do when I'm tempted. I just ask him. I just turn to him right, I'll just write down. I mean, if people around me, I won't say anything out loud. But if, if this, somebody does something really stupid and something inside of me wants to hit them, I'll just ask him. Dear Jesus, you want me to hit them? You think I'm being, I mean, that is sort of cute. I do it. I just say, do you want me to hit them? You make the decision. Isn't that in all your ways, acknowledge him? You want me to hit him or not? You know, somebody parks a new Corvette and I'll just say, you want me to steal it or not? <laughs> I'm being sort of cute, but dear ones, this is what it means. The Lord is my shepherd. Don't struggle. Oh no, ask the man. Just tell him, but whatever you say, I'm going to do it. I don't care if it's hard or not. I'm going to do what you say. Do you want me to keep my mouth shut right now? I don't care what he says. I've already made up my mind. The Lord is my shepherd. There's times when he'll want me to speak to somebody I really don't want to. It don't matter. That decision has already been made. The Lord is my shepherd. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Do you mean to spend this money or not? Whoa, 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 whoa. My money. Up. So you're in heaven, but you're going to suck eggs till you get there. You can have the eternal life, but you can't have the abundant life till he is Lord. The, the last great battle in human life is who's going to run the boat? Who's going to call the shots? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Listen to me. He will direct your path. There's a promise. Now he has promised you in his word. When you look to me and let me make the decisions, I'll let you know what they are. I'll, you commit your way to me. Let me give you a couple more to hang on to. Psalm 16, three says this, commit your way to the Lord. Your thoughts will be established. He'll put ideas in your mind when you let him call the shots. I love that verse. You know, we, we just, when I'm in a meeting with my elders, I just pray and say, Father, we commit our way to you. Thank you that you'll put into our minds what you want done. He'll do that for you. Psalm 37, five, commit your way to the Lord. 
Commit it to him. Trust him. He'll bring it to pass. He can run your life right now in every detail. And you need to make that commitment. Number two, are you ready? After you've decided, what do you want me to do, Lord Jesus? Ask him. You ever thought about asking the Father what you should do? Because we've got to learn to ask. Listen to this. Ask, you'll receive. Luke chapter 11. James chapter 4. You have not because you ask not. Just ask him. All right, I want to point something out to you. I think religion's really screwed things up. Have I mentioned this before? Religion's taught us that God blesses people because they're good. That is not true. All we got to do is read the Bible and see that. Let me see if you know this from the Bible. Who is the man in this book that God Almighty did more for than any human being in world history? I would say King David. Who do you know that God has done more for than King David? You study his life carefully, study all the people of the Bible. This guy was a nobody. His own father said, you'll never amount to nothing. God raised him up, made him a king, made him the greatest musician that ever lived. He's the greatest ruler that ever lived. When Jesus comes back, he's going to rule on the throne of David from the city of David. God likes David. Let me ask you a question. Was David a good man? We wouldn't let him be a deacon in this church. Steal another man's wife. Murder him so you could have his wife. Amongst other things he did, he was not a good man. That puzzles me. Why was God's, if God's good to people because they act good, how, what explains this? How do you explain Simon? Dear ones, God doesn't bless people because they can behave. You know what the secret to David's life was? I found this in scripture. Listen to this. David inquired of the Lord. Over and over and over in his life, every step he took, he would stop and say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Over and over and over in the Bible, you just read where he said, what do you want me to do? He's not near as interested in you behaving as he is in, letting, in you asking him, what do you want me to do? Dear ones, listen to this. I know you're trying to behave. Listen to what the Bible says. To obey is better than sacrifice. To do what the man says is better than going a week without cussing. I can highly encourage you to do both. But the blessing of God is not on performance. The blessing of God is on an attitude that says, you my shepherd. Where he leads me, I will follow. One of my dear friends, J.L. Williams, I loved him dearly. And he was a man so blessed by God. And the funny thing I loved about J.L. was he enjoyed it. God used him greatly, but he seemed to enjoy himself as long as he lived. And uh, he always, I found the secret to his ministry. Well, I mean, he had a great personality. You know what the secret to his ministry was? He told me no few times. He said, I made a decision years ago. Where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. Where he beds me, I will wallow. I don't care what the man says. I'm going to obey God with my life. And that's why it was so good. There was it is obedience. It is saying, you drive the boat. Then you got to ask him, what do you want in this situation? Did Jesus, my husband or my wife has made me so mad and I'm fixing to go in there and I'm fixing to straighten it out. Amen. Do you want me to do that or not? What do you think it means in all your ways, acknowledge him? I said, man, you, you binding me down. You look right here. I'm making your life great. He don't lead you to junk. He leads you to the green pastures. Ask him. And then number three, and this is the one people struggle with. All right, you, you commit your way to him. What you may do? Ask him. What you may do? And then what do you do? 
Turn your motor off and rest. Rest. Let's look at the great passage. Psalm 37, 5 about resting. And rest don't mean take a nap. It means turn your mind off. It means quit trying to figure it out. It means quit stressing. You told him you'd do what he said. You asked him to help you. Now go on. Quit worried about it. All right, let me explain something to you about my heavenly father. And I really want y'all to learn this. He is real slow to answer. I'm sorry. You, you got to get this. People say, well, let's pray and find out what he wants to do. You're not going to find out while you're down there. You can give him, you can commit to him down there and you can ask him for help. But you might as well get up and go on. He's not going to answer you down there. I get criticized a lot because I'm slow to get back with people. I've made a decision. I'm not going to live with a phone surgically attached to my anything. I'll leave it in the truck half the time. Folks say to myself, didn't you get my text? I said, not yet. I hadn't checked in a few days. <laughs> I didn't know I had a time limit. When do you want me to get back with you? Instant communication is killing us. I can't stare at the birds like he told me to if I'm answering the phone all the time. So I just leave it laying around and I try to lose it, but my dear friends always find it and bring it back. I like them days where they took a message and you got it home at night written on the chalkboard when you got home. Then when I'm slow to get back, I just saying, number one, I got a lot of people to get back with. Number two, I'm not that concerned about it. Listen to me. He is slow to get back with you. Watch, watch, watch that in Psalm 37. Let's look in verse five, Psalm 37, five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. He'll bring it to pass. It was, he will answer you and he'll show you what to do when you commit it to him. Now look in verse seven. Relax, rest in the Lord. Wait, what? All right, look at me, look at me. Why would my heavenly father say, you commit your way to me and then you wait patiently? What do you hear right there? He probably ain't gonna answer me when I ask. I might have to wait on him. Doing he's usually slow to answer, but he will answer you. Wait patiently for him. Let's read that. Rest in the Lord, verse seven, wait patiently. Do not fret. You know what fret means? It's the word for stress. Why would you, why would you keep thinking about a decision after you've given it to him? Why would you go round and round your mind like a Ferris wheel? Go get you some popcorn, listen to some music. Go fishing. You gave it to him, now go on. Rest in him. Don't stress over stuff. Can you see where he's trying to take the load off your life? He usually takes several days to answer me. Sometimes it's weeks, but he always does. And let me tell you, let me tell you what I found. The harder I try to hear him, the silencer it gets in my heart. By the time I'm fishing, having a big time, all of a sudden, boom, there's the answer. He, I don't, you say, why is he like that? Take it up with him when you see him. I have no idea. Commit your way to him. Ask him what to do. And go on when the time's right, he'll tell you what to do. You say, well, Brother Brian, I got, to, I got to know, I've got to make this decision. They've asked me to move to Texas, Dallas with my company. I got to know within four days. Four days? What are you worried about? He knows when decisions have to be made. Go and get you some popcorn. Watch a movie with your sweetheart. Make sure it's clean one. Trust the man. Let it go. Listen to me carefully. You can't hear God. He's not going to speak to your head. And you're not going to hear an audible voice. He speaks to the heart. You can't hear him in your heart while your head's all cluttered up thinking. Turn your motor off. He'll talk to you. He'll be there. He will answer you. Isaiah 30, 21 says this. You will hear him speak to you and he will say, 
This is the way, walk ye in it. If that man doesn't tell me what to do, he doesn't tell the truth. He has always been faithful to tell me what to do when I ask him and commit to him. And he'll do you the same way. All right, the Bible's a book about the father leading people. Now, people often ask me, I, I mean, I'm, tr- I'm not hearing him. I'm not hearing God. You talk about hearing God. I don't hear him. Yes, you do. Listen to me carefully. The book of 1 Samuel, a little fellow named Samuel was just a little fellow. He was a boy. God spoke to him. He didn't recognize it. So he went to the old preacher, woke him up, said, you called me. He said, I didn't call you. That happened three or four times. Finally, the old preacher realized God's talking to him and he don't know how to recognize it. So the old preacher taught this young fellow how to recognize God speaking to him. And the rest of his life, he listened to God talk to him. You say, well, I don't think he's talking to me. Listen to me. Listen to him. If any man has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. That's you. He's talking. You just know how to hear him. We'll talk about this more next week, but let me run you through some of the ways you hear him speak. Number one, he speaks through peace. You don't hear stuff. Listen to Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God run your life in your heart. If I have a decision to make and say I want to do something and I just say, Father, I think I know what I want to do and I'm pretty smart. Been there a bunch of times, but what do you want me to do? And I just leave it alone. And all of a sudden, the sweetest peace will come right here. Every time I think about it, a sweetness comes right here. Sweet peace. That's him saying to me, let's do it, son. I never hear a word. Let the peace of God run your life, rule in your life from right here. If I'm looking at something and I say, well, I'd like to do that. I like, I want to do that. Lord Jesus, I'm committed. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to do that? And there's a restlessness down here. And I can't get peace in here. That's the Holy Spirit saying to me, nay, nay, little lampshade. Mm-mm, we don't do that. I say, and I'll, I go, listen, you can talk to me any way you want to. Just listen. And I'll say, it looks so good. I really want to. But the Lord is my shepherd. And I do not want to want whatever you say. He'll lead you through peace in your heart. Either a gentle, sweet peace or a troubled heart. Number two, he'll speak to you through your heart. Now listen, he don't talk to your head. He speaks to your heart. Proverbs 20, 27 says this. The heart of a man is the lamp of the Lord where he illuminates us. He gives you things in your heart. Number two, he will speak to you by desires. He'll put desires in your heart for things. Nehemiah 2.12 says this. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. He'll put that. Listen to me. You'll just have these great ideas and desires and you'll get excited about them down here. That may be him talking to you. Now, not all desires him. Sometimes we have desires that are from the unholy one. Okay, you don't, but I do. Sometimes we have our own ideas. Sometimes this perverted culture puts up, but this is the way God speaks to you. He'll put something in your heart and you'll just go, man, I'd love to have that. That's him. He'll put, he'll put desires in your heart. One of my little girls, I just love her. So I'm not my girl goes to church here. She just graduated from high school and I said, uh, tell me what you're going to do. Because you know, everybody gets out of high school, they still dream. You shouldn't stop dreaming at 25. We should dream till the day we croak. All right. And I said, what you want to do? And she sort of hesitated to tell me. I thought, are you, what are you going to be, a bank robber? She said, well, she said, you know what I really want to do? And I said, I asked, didn't I? She said, I want to get married to a farmer and just have children. 
And she was so excited. And I could, you know, I know why she hesitated because our culture says, oh, you're going to waste your life being a mama. This is a sick culture. I got news for you. There ain't nothing that shiny corner office can give you that a child saying I love you can do for you. There ain't nothing that a dollar bill can give you that a man loving you and saying I love you, sweetheart, can do for you. All right, but that, you know where she got that from? Her mama. <laughs> he will give you the, God put that in there because he's showing her this is what I want for you. And if she'll pursue that and tell this sick culture, you don't tell me what, what has this culture done to people by running our lives? Let Jesus run your life. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. You say, man, I want to, this is crazy. At, at 40 years old, 50, 60 years old, I want to start a business. Moses started one at 80 and did real well. Dear ones, if, it, if it's him, he speaks to you through your desires. You say, well, how do I know the difference between his voice and my voice? Oh, that's easy. His will stay, yours will disappear. If it's him, it'll be there. It'll stay there. It'll just grow slowly over time. You'll think about it and you'll just go, yeah. Now I've had things where I was so jacked up. I'd be so excited. We're going to do this. This is going to be great. I'm, I just, I was glowing in the dark. Three days later, I couldn't even remember what it was. That wasn't him. That was me. His desires stay and they grow in your heart. They just grow sort of like yeast. Number three, listen to this. He'll speak to you through dissatisfaction. He'll speak to you through dissatisfaction. All through the Bible, we see where he stirs things up. You, you know, you, you had this job maybe and you just enjoyed it. It was so good. All of a sudden, for about the last year, you can't stand it. And you can't stand the people and they're all dumb. And you're grouchy. And you just wish you didn't have to get up and go to work. I'm not talking about one bad day. I'm talking about over time. God's talking to you. He speaks to us in our heart through dissatisfaction. And dis he promised to give you the desires of your heart. If you're miserable, pick up the phone, Bubba. Dissatisfaction. Let me give you an example. My wife, she's been teaching for a thousand years. She taught little, she loves, she just loves little children. Loves little children. And uh, she was a kindergarten teacher for about 50 years in the public school. And she was so good at it, loved it. But the last two or three years, she got to where she just, it was hard the children were hard. The mamas and the administration were hard. And she just, she's so disciplined. She did a good job, but she just wasn't happy. And just, and finally I, I thought, well, it's because you're old. You, know, you get old, time to quit that. And she finally just said, I don't want to do this. She finally just quit. Turned around a year later, went back to work teaching again. In our school, at our, she, she'd do it for free. She loves it. She gets, jumps out of bed every morning at five o'clock, ready to go see them little youngins, loves them youngins. See if you ever heard of this for a public school teacher or any school teacher. You know what the last week of school is for teachers, don't you? That's when they're all happy and cheering and they're excited because school's coming to an end. Her and her class agreed to ask if they could go one more week. She loves it. She just, you know why? God was moving her with dissatisfaction to the place of delight. He speaks to, you don't hear move dude that's not he don't do that he speaks to your heart listen we had better learn to listen to him he's smart can you humble yourself and agree with me he's smarter than I am alright some of you chicks y'all all excited about I met this guy uh. let me tell you about that guy 
I know he looks like upside down triangle right now. He's gonna look like a pineapple one day if you hang around him long enough. God is not against romance. He created it, Doc. Are you with me? But he knows down the road and you don't. Trust the man. Better to suffer a little bit now than to suffer for 55 years. And that sucker will live to be 90 if you get the wrong one. (laughs) Dissatisfaction. Number four. I got to hurt. Number four, he speaks to us through closed doors. Closed doors. Revelation chapter three, verse seven says this, I close doors in front of you. When it's just not working out and you're having to fight and claw and these fools don't cooperate. and this, When it's that hard, pick up the phone. He's closing the door. You say, well, I, I want to sing. I want to worship, lead people in worship. And people run when you sing and nobody wants you up there. God's talking to you. The people are talking to you. Dear ones, when when your way is just hemmed up, you shouldn't have to fight and push and endure and grit your teeth. There are times we have to go through some things. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If his grace is on it, you you won't have to fight like that. He's closing the door, all right? Number five is the other side. He speaks through open doors. God will open doors. Now listen to me. Listen carefully. Not every door that opens is of him. You better pray about this stuff and wait on him. He opens doors. People just walk up to you and uh, and say things and you go, is this you? Are you in this? Opportunities, situations unfold. He speaks through open doors. And then last of all, he said that you would hear his voice in your heart. You can learn to hear the voice of God in your heart. And this is where he speaks to you right here. And when he speaks to me, he doesn't say, this is what I want you to do. It comes as a flash of illumination and in one moment he speaks volumes and you just, let me give you the theological term for it. You know that you know down in your knower. It's the only way I know to describe it. You just know that's him right there. You learn to hear his voice in your heart and you can be led by the spirit of God. Listen to what the Bible says. As many as are smart, these are the sons of God. Nay, nay. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. He'd be glad to lead you, and he'll lead you to the good place. All right, listen, you got a decision to make. Some of us got big decisions we're waiting on. Some of us are waiting on answers for our children. Some of us are waiting on... Life is waiting. About the time you get this one, there's something else to wait on. Listen to me. Rest when you wait. And don't go, I'm listening, I'm listening. You remember I'm listening, don't you? I'm listening. Knock that mess off. Worship while you wait. Just be quiet. Worship while you wait. Get your mind in neutral. Get your emotions. Turn your emotions off. Worship while you wait. He'll talk to you. Let me give you a little hint. Charles Stanley taught me this. Most preachers sit down and study to preach and try to get something to preach. I don't do that. I just take my guitar or whatever and go enjoy Jesus. And we'll be having the best time. And all of a sudden, right in the middle, let's just enjoying one another. He'll say, pick up your pen and that legal pad and write down what I tell you to. I'll just write it down real quick. And then I'll say, can we go back to singing? I'll work out the details later. If you'll just live to worship and enjoy him, the answer will come. When you least expect it. All righty. A life of listening is a great blessing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
I'm going to tell you the two things that have surprised me most in the last 40 years since I've been following Jesus, 45 now. Number one, this is the most surprising thing I've ever seen in my life among Christians. Is this just, I know it's going to sound crazy, but it is. I'm not surprised by anything anybody does anymore. I've seen so much junk in my life. I dare you to shock me. Katie and I were talking the other day. We had a lady in our church years ago, another church, never this church, always another church. And uh, she was one of the godliest ladies. She worked in ministry. She was Miss Perfect. Uh, I never saw a hair out of place. She was stiff as a board. Miss Prim and Proper. Had a wonderful husband, children. All of a sudden one day, she just left her husband for this biker fool. I just went, what? My wife said, that's most, I mean, this would be like, Carolyn Crabtree leaving Bill for a hell's angel. I mean, it was just crazy. <laughs> just out of bounds. And I, I was surprised, but you know what I've learned in my old age? I ain't surprised at nothing because there is a great, there is a thief in the earth. Let me tell you what I've been the most surprised at in 40 years, 45 years now. You know what it is? That God's people will not ask him what to do. Yeah. I'm stunned at this stuff. Preachers don't ask God what to do. They go to school and learn how to do stuff and then they go do it. Why don't we ask him? Let me make an announcement. He's smart. He's promised to lead us. Why don't we ask him? But I am stunned at how few Christians just, and by pray, I don't mean beg for money. Ask him what you want him to do, what he wants you to do and do whatever he says. Let me give you for instance. He's probably gonna get me killed. I know of a church whose preacher recently announced that he was resigning and they'd be looking for a new preacher. I am stunned at the people who got all these ideas and I know they didn't ask God. How many of you think we ought to ask God about things? In all your ways, acknowledge him, let him drive the boat. So my greatest surprise has been that people just don't ask him and wait for him to tell them what to do and then do it. Let me tell you my other greatest surprise in life. I'm gonna knock the religion off, I'm gonna tell you the truth here. You're looking at a man who shall not want. If you've ever met a happy man in your life, a blessed man, if you were to say, a friend called me from the West Coast the other day, big, big time singer, he said, I'm gonna buy you a new such and such. Tell me which one you want. I said, don't send me nothing. I got it. I got all the stuff I need. I tell him all the time, I never dreamed you'd give me so much nice stuff. But there was, there's something bigger than the stuff. All the money in the world can't buy a happy heart. All the money in the world can't buy peace. All the money in the world cannot buy a great marriage. Happy family, good friends, a good night's rest. He has blessed the fire out of me. Fire is a theological term. In ministry, in my vocation, I've been blessed above 99% of all preachers. He has been so good to me, which is one of the greatest surprises of my life. Now listen to what I'm fixing to say. You think it's because I'm smart? Really? I'm a C minus guy. I graduated from college with a 2.2. And the only reason I got that is because this wonderful professor named Dr. Proctor agreed to let me take special needs physical education as my last class to graduate <laughs> with a degree in religion. Tells you what that's worth. Now I did have a professor said, I think it's got more to do with you spending more time on the river than in the library, but why would you spend four years preparing for the rest of your life? What if you croak and you spent all that time preparing and didn't get to enjoy it? I figured you should have enjoyed yourself along the way a little bit. I'm not, I'm not that smart, but I've been blessed. Number two, listen to this. It's not because I'm that good. Most preachers are better people than I am. Most Christians are better people than I am. 
Do you know what I'm convinced the reason he's been so good to me? And I, I just sit there all the time going, God, God. I'm like Gomer Pyle. You know what it is? I learned years ago, ask the man what he wants you to do. You don't have to be smart. Just as, as best as, at heart level, ask him what he wants you to do and then do it. Listen to the man. Listen to this. Blessed is the man who listens to me, waiting daily at my gates, listening at the posts of my doors. Just ask the man what he wants you to do. Make the goal of your life not to be good. I pulled it off. Make the goal of your life to listen to the man and do what he says. And guess what will happen? He will give you the desires of your heart. When the Lord becomes your shepherd, you shall not want. All right, let's talk to him. Dear Jesus, I love talking to you. You're the most wonderful in all the world. You have shown me from your word and by your precious Holy Spirit what you would do if people would just say, take over, Jesus. Thank you that we get to go to heaven if we trust you as our Savior. And that's wonderful. And I can't wait. I really can't wait. It's going to be great. But dear Jesus, I see so many people suffering and struggling in this life because I can tell they're driving their own boats. They're making the decision. They're good people, but they're still making the decisions. I pray for every person in this room this morning. They've heard the voice of the Father speak and say, in all your ways, acknowledge me. Ask me what you want to do. Ask, you, ask me what, you, what I want you to do. And I'll tell you what to do. And when you do it, you shall not want. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, I know for a fact, this is one of the hardest things people ever do is to surrender their wills to your will. I don't need a co-pilot. I need for you to lock me in a trunk and drive us wherever you want to go. I pray for every person in this room that an excitement would come in their heart about saying, if I really let him make all the decisions, wonder where he'd take me. Thank you for green pastures, still waters, restored souls, good, good things happening every day of my life because you are my shepherd. Trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray.